Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the People Processes Podcast, where we dive into the updates, interviews, and yes, even processes that will help your organization thrive. My name is Rami Alijil, and my goal is to help HR managers and business owners create an environment where their people are their organization's competitive advantage. Today, we are interviewing Allison Colley, who started Real Employment Law Advice in 2013. Her law firm's objective is to provide legal services in a new way, disrupting the market by using technology to deliver service and provide information across the United Kingdom. She now has a team of four staff, including two other solicitors, and they work with clients across the UK on everything from contracts to HR best practices to actual representation in the employment tribunal and courts. Oh, And don't forget, we post to LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, and I would love to hear from you on there with any of your questions. You can also subscribe to us by going to peopleprocesses.com, where you will receive special subscriber-only content for free. People Processes is also available wherever you get your podcasts. It syndicates on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher Radio. Welcome to the show, Allison. I'm so glad to have you here. Hi, and thank you very much for having me. Well, uh, I've, you know, we got connected online, and I've got to ask, how did you go from a corporate lawyer to doing what you do now? Well, I, I kind of became disillusioned with the sort of traditional corporate legal background. Um, I'd been qualified for a number of years, and I was just fed up with the sort of presenteeism that's required when you work for a traditional solicitors firm here in the UK. I'm sure it's pretty much the same over there in the States as well. And um, I was kind of looking for something else. um, And I stumbled across Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it. Man, has that book not just destroyed so many (laughs) lives and made so many great ones. But man, that thing thing changes changes everyone who reads it. Yeah, absolutely. I think there is something about that book. And I found it whilst I was out on a lunch break and I was quite bored. And I thought that looked like an interesting title. Um, And then I read it and dived into it. And I thought, well, actually, there is another way of working. And for some time, I spent my lunch breaks, my evenings, looking for alternative business ideas and came up with a number of harebrained schemes that I could try to use the four-hour work week in. None of them related to law or HR, I have to say. And um, I I don't know why, but for some reason I thought to myself, well, there's no way you can set up a law firm. Um, You just can't do it. And I had this sort of block that that, um, stopped me from even exploring it. Um, But it was after many frustrated lunch breaks and talks to my husband on the phone that we decided that we could look into it and give it a go. Um, and that led me to starting the firm in 2013. That is awesome. When you, you mentioned that at your corporate job, the presenteeism uh, was what was driving you crazy. Tell me a little bit about that. I, I, it's not a common word used. Yeah. Uh, so, so what I mean by that is the here. idea that you can only be effective if you're sitting at your desk for from you know seven in the morning till eight o'clock at night uh, every day of the week. And um, <laughs> you know the the penny dropped for me when I was having a conversation with my line manager, and it, I didn't actually have a great deal of caseload myself at the time. So I didn't need to stay at work. There wasn't actually a lot for me to do at that time. And um, one of the other partners in the firm had said to my boss, you know, I I don't like the fact that Alison's leaving on time. It doesn't look good to my associate. Um, And I thought, Mm. well, 
you know, if I'm getting my job done, I'm meeting the targets and I'm working effectively, why do I have to be here um, every hour of the day? Um, and that was really where I sort of thought, actually, there, there must be a different way of doing this. And as long as you're satisfying the client need, you're sort of making enough money to uh, and doing enough billing, then why do you have to be at your desk every hour of the day? A common complaint. Yeah. I, and, you know, I see that all the different ways. And I guess as now that you're running a company, I wonder, has your view on that changed or have you designed your company around that idea for your Yeah, absolutely. So one of my colleagues uh, works from home and works flexibly. And um, we, we recently recruited somebody here in the office with us permanently. And you know, when, when we took him on, he was very much looking for sort of a different lifestyle. And we said, well, you know, as long as the clients are happy, the work's being done. If you want to leave at, you know, three o'clock in the summer because you want to go surfing or something, then we're quite happy for you to do that. And in my view, I don't think you have to be sat at your desk in order to be effective. And as long as, as I say, the work's being done, the clients are happy, then um, we can fit, fit around them. That's awesome. And with technology today, it's just a different environment than it used to be. You know, um, I was interviewing someone who'd been um, in business for, you know, 40 years and they were talking about how um, it just, the, the accessibility of people has changed so hugely, you know, that, that they used to always have daily check-ins, you know, where they had to sit down and all sit around and bring out their paper files and bring their associates and secretaries in to just keep on the same page because there was no way of coordinating all that information electronically. It just had to be done pretty much face-to-face with a bunch of papers. And those corporate, we won't call them dinosaurs, but older uh, organizations who haven't moved from that are really at a competitive disadvantage for talent. Uh, great people like you probably won't stick around too long in, a, yeah, absolutely. in an environment like that. And, and it is, you know, I think, um, you know, people talk a lot about millennials and sort of the next generation, but I think for businesses, mm. t- in order to keep and um, attract good staff, you're going to have to think differently about how you do work and whether you can use technology to make it more flexible. Very cool. Well, I know you've now set up a great firm. You've been in business six years, and I'm sure we can hear all about your successes and some of your biggest victories, but the business owners and HR people who listen to this podcast, I feel like we all learn more from mistakes, from the failures, than from um, the the victories. So can you tell me a little bit about your biggest business failure from when you set up your company? What's the thing that sticks out as that lowest of the low? Yeah, um, it's, it's quite easy, really. I pretty much um, within the first sort of year and a half or so, I was um, contacted by somebody selling a, a HR software system, which was basically one of those where you you purchase a license and then you can sell it on yourself and brand it and all of that sort of thing. And it was quite a big investment. And, um, you know, being new to business and being easily persuaded by things, I, I decided it was a good idea to trial it. And it cost me quite a lot for the license. And then because I couldn't actually sell it myself, I then employed a company to help me with that. Um, again, shelling out quite a lot of money for that. And it was a disaster. I didn't actually get anybody to sign up for it. And then my clients who did sign up for it were already with me because they wanted advice and the assistance I provided rather than the software and they weren't using it. So it ended up costing me quite a lot of money. And I think the down, real down point for me was when 
the company who had hired to set up, effectively set up leads for me, had set up a lead with a company, um, which was a, a bit further away from my home. Uh, I had my family staying with me and I had to traipse off to go to this meeting with this lead that'd been set up. And I was halfway there and the chap phoned me and said, oh, actually, we're not really interested in meeting with you. We kind of said yes to this company. And I'd spent several hours on my way there and then on my way back. And I remember just being on the way home in floods of tears because I'd spent all this money on this product and this company to help. And my family were at home all enjoying themselves and I was just miserable. Um, So I think that was really the down point for me. Um, I think what I learned from it was I decided that I'd picked up a product that I really wasn't, well, not that I wasn't interested in, but it wasn't really my expertise. And I was trying to sell a service mm. I suppose that I wasn't buying into myself um and I'd shelled out quite a bit of money when I probably shouldn't have at an early stage in my business so yeah that was my real low point yeah. I, I I I feel that 100% I mean the I think many business owners listening can can relate to whether it's their product or another that that long drive out to get the client and then, you know, a no show or a last minute cancellation. And then further than that, when you're starting, you're trying to get all of these things in place, your competitive advantage, you're still trying to figure out right where you're at. And, um, people come along and say, Hey, we've got your competitive advantage right here, all in a box. Um, of course it's what a lot of other people have too, but, but it's hard to see it that way in the beginning. Um, so what do you think our listeners maybe could take from your story that they could apply to their business? I think it's about having a strategy, knowing what you're good at and what you want to achieve and sticking to it and not being attracted by the latest shiny object, um, which can happen. You know, if you're setting up a business, you most mm-hmm. people are um, usually entrepreneurial minded and you know, that, that kind of focus can be lost quite quickly, um, by the next thing that comes along. So I would say, you know, have a strategy, understand what you're good at and, and stick to it. I think that's right. And, and I love you use the word focus. That's the, um, I had, uh, John Lee Dumas, JLD, he runs a podcast called yeah. entrepreneurs on fire recently. And he told me, um, he used the acronym focus, follow one course until success. He said most most business owners when they when they're starting out or even further in it's that shiny object syndrome, and um, that 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 would be his number one piece of advice to focus on one course the thing that you found to set up your business until it works don't get distracted uh, by all the yeah, shiny absolutely. pieces along the way and I know that I. I get frustrated because I want to move on to the next thing, you know, um, and I just have to keep reminding myself, actually, as soon as that list of things that I want to do runs out, then I've got a problem. So I've got to look at the list of things as a good thing, because it means there's always something else to be doing, mm-hmm. something else you can use to help to promote and grow the business. That's it. Exactly. Personally, my biggest problem, I normally, when we implement something new, I, I, I'm in love with it and I I work on it until it is moderately successful. I'm really bad about building out things that work and you know they they wind up becoming profitable and then about the time they're just, you know, good, I want to move on to something else. I'm really bad about personally uh, about taking things from totally okay to rampant success. Um, 
And that's one of those things that I've realized I have a problem with. I'm, I'm a very entrepreneurial person by nature. So I like the struggle of when things aren't working. And as soon as it seems like they're working, I'm like, <laughs> ah, they don't need me anymore. Um, luckily, uh, my partner and wife who, who founded the company with me is, is um, the perfect person. She loves taking things from, we have a framework, it's working to it's smooth and perfect and low friction and incredibly profitable. So that's one of those uh, best things about having a partner in your business. But, but I always, I'm, I'm very yeah, bad Yeah, you definitely that. need <laughs> someone who can uh, ground you. And my husband's exactly the same. He works in the business now and takes control of things and will, will say to me, no, you need to be concentrating on that last thing you started. Mm-hmm. That's one of the best things about running your own company too, about getting out of the corporate world is – work can, especially in a small business, work can become family, you know, and be family, literally. And um, I think that's one of the, the biggest sacrifices people make working in a, in a large corporation um, is that, that family disconnect that has to happen because their family's not there for eight or 10 hours of the day. Um, makes a big difference. Well, let me ask you, so coming up over the next six months or so, I know you have a lot of things going on. What's got you most excited and leaping out of bed and, 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 uh, uh, well, there are um, two things really. One is I've just finished writing a book that I've been writing for probably the last three years, and it's finally with the editor. So I'm really looking forward to finishing that and getting it um, published. I'm self-publishing it and um, dealing with that. So that's going to be fantastic after such a long time of procrastinating about it. Oh yeah. Uh, we launched a book last year. It's a, it's a heck of a thing when the time comes, when it's through your editing process and you're ready for the pre, um, you know, pre-release stuff. If you want to send me a copy, I'd love to read it and give you a blurb or, uh, give you some early reviews for Amazon. That's, that's the name of the game is coming out of the gate with some strong, uh, strong. Oh, that'd be great. Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, the book is about about? law and HR. (laughs) So uh, stick to what you know. It's um, it's it's a it's an easy guide mm-hmm. for uh, managers and um, employers to be able to pick up and read in um, plain English um, if they need to find out something quickly about you know certain things that happen during the life of having employees, basically. Interesting. I don't now, do, at the moment. I've been debating what to call it. So. I came up, the, our title of my book came out after, during cover design. So well after it was written. Um, so right up next to uh, People Processes, our book, um, we'll have to put uh, Alison Colley's book when it, when it's out there. <laughs> um, our book focuses, People Processes focuses on the systems and organizations around HR to automate them, to, to make it so that it's a system that continually improves and less about the individual HR pieces that a lot of people know, need to know. Um, and so I've always said that it's not a complete, it's not an HR uh, guidebook. It's it's about a very specific part of HR, which is designing the systems around them. So we would definitely need to uh, partner those up. Maybe we can get, get, yeah, get a lot of copies out. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds audience. like it would go with it nicely. Well, speaking of books, if you could recommend one book to go alongside People Processes and your upcoming book, what would it be for well, new business I, owners? Well, I would always say the four-hour work week. I was racking my brains about this, and I think it just—I think whatever business you're in and whatever you're trying to do, um, it's a really good one to focus your mind and to, um, yeah, to look at ways in which you work differently, I suppose. So it's kind of the book that got me started on this journey. So I'm always quite faithful to that Mm -hmm. book. 
Have you read some of his other books or is that primarily? No, the one I've read the um, Four Hour Body and the Tools of Titans as well, which is a, is a good mm. one. I think Tim Ferriss sometimes gets a bad rap, especially on the body book, because he he's a little more out there than than some others in terms of fasting and, and some of the other things he talks about. Have you implemented any of those? Do you, do you find them? Yeah. So the fasting side of it, I have, yes. Um, or sort of to a degree, I I wouldn't go as extremely as, as he does, as you say, it's quite extreme ideas and things. Um, but it's just very. Well, in a four hour work week is pretty extreme too. When you, but the but the extremeness illustrates the point, and that's what yeah, I, that's absolutely, what's so good about. yeah. And and I love I love Malcolm Gladwell books as well. So anything really by Malcolm Gladwell is is good because mm. you know although it's not lots of them are particularly business focused, they do have lots of principles and things you can apply, uh, you know, in business and in life generally. Awesome. Well, if you could go back and tell yourself uh, one thing back on the day you started your company, if you could send a letter to yourself, uh, what would you wind up writing for those, for yourself back when you started Yeah, I would probably say to start writing a process for everything from the beginning and, um, mm. and make sure you, you know, as soon as you do something, you set up a process, set up a precedent um, so that it can be passed on easily. Yeah, so knowledge. You know, everybody thinks that, oh, I'll do that when I get bigger, but that's the Absolutely, that's the way and to it get makes bigger, life a lot it? easier if you have that, I would say. Um, the other thing I would say to myself is be prepared for the roller coaster um, because it's uh, constant ups and downs, which I hadn't really appreciated when I started the business. When I left my company uh, to start this about 10 years ago now, uh, by the time this comes out, uh, Liz and I both, my wife and I both left very good six-figure jobs. And uh, we had a spreadsheet that was the, you know, here's where we, here's how long it should take for us to get back to where we are and, you know, <laughs> you know, be millionaires by year three. And like, you know, we had, we had it all spreadsheeted out. Yeah. I wish I'd had like some variable estimator in there where it was like, and this month you'll make negative $20,000. You know, <laughs> um, it's a, it's yeah. A heck and of a I journey. think people, you know, my, my friends and family who are still, you know, employed, do think it's sort of an easy life um, and don't really appreciate or see that the sort of hours that you put in or the kind of, uh, yeah, the. Um... It's the, it's not the hours for me. It's the, it's the 9.30 PM or whenever your bedtime is or 11.30 PM right before you go to bed, that stray thought that catches you. It's that brain work for like four hours when you should be sleeping because you just can't quite get out of it that's always the uh the biggest the biggest call yeah me, absolutely the biggest i agree and um yeah so it, it is and that's that it's that roller coaster of emotions of the extreme highs at times and then the mm. extreme lows um and not really and, and lots of it's in my own head i have to say you know it's not that the business is is in a roller coaster it's more that i one day i think great everything's brilliant and we're doing so well the next day i'm like oh i can't believe it the phone hasn't rung for you know, two hours, what are we doing? Oh, oh yeah. A hundred percent. And, and, and it's, and my biggest thing is the further we go in, the more disconnected from the reality of the business that feeling gets to me because we've been significantly profitable for quite a while now. It's been, it's a great business that we have, 
But the fact, like, if I get an email that's like a client and they're snitty, you know, or they're kind of, you know, it's like, man, that'll sit on me. And it's like, gosh, why did I even get into this? It's like, oh, yeah, because it's a great business and people super appreciate us. And but no, that doesn't yeah. that doesn't come to you for a couple of hours. Um, it's amazing. Well, going back, if you could tell us, what do you think the best business advice is that you've It was ever to heard? raise my prices. And, um, and value my worth and really understand that. You know, when I first started out and it was really early on, uh, a lady I had just met um, who mm-hmm. referred me some work said to me, you're charging way too low. And that was, you know, within a couple of weeks of starting the business. And from that, I, I raised my prices, but nowhere near as much as I should have. I was, um, I just think I, I didn't feel that I was, value enough at that time. I think that was my own sort of, again, going back to what I was feeling about, oh, you know, I can't start my own law firm. Um, I had that feeling of, well, you're not worth people paying that much for. And so the best advice I had was, yeah, raise your prices and really understand what your time is worth. Mm -hmm. I I think there's a pithy phrase that's something like, um, you can apologize for price once, or for your service every day. And that stuck in my head back in the day, because we did the same thing. We started out well underpriced, and we're still to a degree underpriced, but not nearly as bad as we once were. Um, and the reason the reason is, is that when you, when you price yourself tightly, first of all, mm-hmm. it is a reflection of what you think of your work is worth, but it also means you have no room when something bad happens. Um, you have to be able to weather the storms. And that's part of business. That's part of the business billing. And perhaps more importantly, when a client, if we're charging the right amount, when a client has an outlandish request and it's beyond really the, the scope of work, we're much more able to deal with that and help them and be a better partner than if we were the rock bottom. You know, we know we have an 8% margin. We're going to stick to that margin. Then if anything comes out of the out, out of left field, you're just left in a, in a rough position, you know? where you have to deny the client help. And that's not something that we ever want to do. Yeah. So yes, I think that's great advice. So those uh, young business owners out there getting started, or even those more experienced who've been in a rut for a while, if all else fails, try raising your prices, see what happens. Um, it, it very well may be that you get the margin you need in order to provide an actually better product. And that can go a much longer way than 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 anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, Alison, thank you so much for your time. Uh, if our listeners in the UK or media world over want to get so you a shout So you can find out, me on um, LinkedIn um, if you just search Alison Collie. I also have my own uh, website with, for, for me, which is if you just type in Alison Collie UK, you'll find it. Um, we also have a website for the business, which is realemploymentlawadvice.co.uk. And I also have a podcast, which is the Employment Law and HR podcast, which is available on iTunes, um, Stitcher, Spotify, all the normal places. And whilst I do cover UK law, um, we do cover some of the sort of what I call the softer side of things. So the HR um, elements and processes. So mm-hmm. um, I do have listeners from throughout the world, actually, and people often contact me. So there are some things in there that may be useful to all of your listeners. Um, but certainly if you're in the UK and you're HR based, then it's great resource um, that comes out fortnightly. That's awesome. When you, for our listeners who are maybe in the UK, 
potential clients of yours, what who should contact you immediately? Who are the ones that are listening in the UK who really um, so are your it's perfect clients? Business owners, small to medium sized business owners who don't have any HR processes or procedures in place um, and who are looking to enhance their business by using their staff and to basically be the best employer that they can. Um, My passion is about helping business owners to be the best employer because I think people are your biggest resource. And particularly here in the UK, I think we've got some tough times ahead, um, particularly around getting the right talent in and finding the resources that you need. So being the best employer is going to be really important. So anybody who wants to enhance their business by being a great employer. I think that's awesome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for today. Thank you, Alison, so Thank much for being on here. Thank you very much for having me. It's here. been fantastic it's great to, have to talk you. to you. For our listeners, you can find us at Poplar Financial on LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, LinkedIn slash uh, IN slash Rami will get you straight to my LinkedIn page. Drop any questions, any any thoughts, follow-ups you want me to forward over to Allison or you want us to address in a future podcast episode, we'd love to hear from you. Now it's time for you to go out there, have a great day, and get your work done.